Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. I'm very excited to have our very first guest ever on the podcast, Dr. Jennifer Verist, who is here to inform all of us as parents about protecting our families and children during this COVID pandemic. Because her visits to her pediatrician were usually positive experiences, Dr. Verist's desire for pediatrics began at a very young age. Later, she fulfilled her dream and obtained her medical degree from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. She went on to complete a pediatric residency at UT Houston Health Science Center. After residency, she returned to practice in her hometown of College Station, Texas. As a board-certified pediatrician, her passion is to empower moms and dads to raise their kids to lead happy, healthy lives full of precious memories and discovery. She desires to create the same positive experiences for her patients that she had with her pediatrician as a young child. Dr. Verist is thankful to be a new member of the team at Family First Pediatrics in Springs, Texas. In addition, Dr. Verist has a couple of social media accounts that you should check out. She has a great Facebook account. You can find her under Jennifer Verist, MD on Facebook. She does Facebook Lives every Wednesday to give some great information to parents, such as um, parenting tips for newborns, some great parenting information for moms and dads. Wednesday afternoons, she has Facebook Lives to give timely tips for parents. Okay, so we have some great questions that I'm going to give to Dr. Verist, and she's going to help us give some great tips for 
how to handle this pandemic as we're going back to school and through the season. So what are the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and I uh, reference them a lot in my classes. I use them a lot because they are, just really do their research. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're just a great resource. And um, so what are their recommendations for back to school during COVID? Well, Erin, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on. I really appreciate um, being on here and I'm honored that you invited me. Um, so going to the American Academy of Pediatrics and their recommendations, it is recommended that children learn in school. Um, we are seeing that, especially younger children, um, more of delays in speech and some social delays and communication delays because children aren't being as uh, stimulated verbally um, as before with you know, all the stimulation coming from their peers environment outside of the home. And so that is where the AAP stands, children learn better in school. They're giving a lot of uh, power up to each school to determine the safest way to go about doing that. Um, it, it is not really about eliminating risk because there's going to be risk. It's more about minimizing risk. And the AAP recognizes that every school is in a different situation in terms of class size and um, what is feasible and what is not. And so um, they're giving general guidelines, but really leaving power up to the schools. And the most important thing is that the school be able to be flexible and adapt so that they can make changes as the rate of cases, you know, increase or, or decrease. Um, the other thing is that they have kind of, in terms of social distancing and that physical distancing, uh, research is showing that in a school setting, um, if we can maintain three feet, um, um, that's probably just as beneficial as maintaining the six feet of dis uh, distance that's recommended in, in a public setting. Okay. So children, yeah, children can be spaced as close as three feet. Um, whenever, um, in regards to the concept of, you know, of a face covering, it really depends on the child's age. So the American Academy of Pediatrics is not so much recommending face coverings for children less than two years old. In preschool, face coverings are not as much as a priority, but when we enter elementary school as well as secondary schools, then become, they become more of a, a priority, especially when that safe distance cannot be um, met. Um, so further information, for each grade um, and different school settings can be found at services.aap.org, but that's just a general um, you know, uh, overview of where the American Academy of Pediatrics stands when it comes to back to school. Okay, great. So when we have kids who are falling behind socially, especially, are, is there a concern about long-term effects of this? Are they feeling like children will be able to get them caught up? Or are there things parents can do to um, help facilitate that, that loss from home when they're not allowed to, you know, when the schools are just closed and you can't take your kids to school? So this is where the importance of the well visit comes in. So um, by AP guidelines um, and ACIP, um, it's recommended that, you know, 
starting at 12 months old, there's a well visit at 12 months old and 15 months, 18 months, two years old, two and a half. Often parents, you know, don't recognize that there is a 30 month well visit okay. and then three. That is a very critical period when it comes to speech development. So because um, these kids are no longer having, you know, their, you know, um, you know, friends come over for tea time or just buddy time where the parent can kind of compare them with their peers, it's harder for parents to gauge where their child falls in terms of speech development. So this is a time where we rely heavily on the pediatrician. We come in for the well visit where the pediatrician can uh, do the de developmental assessment and provide necessary, you know, interventions if required. So that could be speech therapy. Um, if the child is going to be in preschool, that could be you know, applied while the child is in school, or maybe private therapy services um, for the child at home or some virtual um, uh, adaptation. So yeah, there are definitely interventions that can be done, but we have to um, identify them early so that we can intervene early so that the child has the best outcome. I've been recommending to parents that if they're feeling safe and comfortable, and if there's another family that they're really close friends with, they know they've been home and been safe, that to do a play date with like one other child or one other family, just to get that social interaction mm -hmm. um, to help with the social and the language development. What do you think about that? So I don't think that's a bad idea as long as we know, you know, about the household, because just keeping in mind that when a child is in contact with another child, they're not just in contact with that other child. They're in contact with, you know, all of the germs associated with that. Everyone else that child has been in contact. Yeah. With, right? So uh, <laughs> just make sure we know that. And as long as we know that, then yeah, that's, that's likely. Okay. So the next question we had is, what should a parent do if their child has been exposed to someone with COVID? So that's a good question. Um, first, you, um, if your child has been going to daycare or, um, you know, like a pre-K or someplace where they're spending some time with other children, you want to pull them out um, because they need to spend time, you know, at home, mm -hmm. staying at home. Now, the next question is, is your child having symptoms or not? Because if your child is not having symptoms, then they will be quarantining at home for 10 to 14 days. If your child is symptomatic, they're self-isolating at home. And if, they're, you know, if your child is having fever, um, you can get COVID testing to see if they have COVID or not. But regardless of the test result, your child does need to stay at home for 14 days um, so because um, some of the parents have been asking well you know yeah my child is coughing they got COVID testing and it was negative can they go back to daycare no because they're symptomatic they were exposed we know that um, it can take the, there's an incubation period of nine to 11 days. So it's better that the child stay, you know, complete the uh, full self-isolation period before they're returning back. Okay, great. When we return after a word from our sponsor, we will have more questions for and answers from Dr. Jennifer Verist about keeping our kids and family safe and other families safe during this COVID pandemic. 
To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, let's get right to the next question. Can you tell us a little bit of what is the difference between self-isolation and quarantine? Yes. So um, as I just kind of hinted before, Quarantine is more in a situation where the child is not having any symptoms at all and we are quarantining them because they have been exposed. We know that there was a known exposure and so we are keeping them away from other people. So in the event that they may be carrying it asymptomatically, we are reducing spread of the virus. Um, With self-isolation, the child may or may not have but has fever and actual symptoms. And uh, this is actually even a little more, more on a higher level than quarantining because we're taking extra precautions even in the home. We're isolating them from certain individuals in the home okay. um, to prevent spread. 
Okay, so quarantine is just, you're staying at home basically with your family, your, your home social unit. Self-isolation is, is trying to isolate from other members of the family as much as possible. So maybe there's one caregiver that's contacting, in contact with that child or? Yes. Kind of how that works? Yep. Parents or pets, if there are any you know, pets in the home, they're not going into that, into that room. Okay. And that's for uh, children who are symptomatic. Okay. And so we talked about the well care visits already, that it's still important to keep up these well care visits because um, they really need to be checked for their milestones to make sure they're on track. And if not, then you can get some intervention going. Um, is there Absolutely. anything else? We yeah, need to know about Absolutely. That? So well visits are just like a very helpful resource, especially during this time of back to school. Um, some parents, you know. School hasn't started yet in some ISDs and some parents are still grappling with, you know, the decision. And even though they've made a decision, they are going to have an opportunity in a few weeks to, you know, change it. Mm -hmm. And so um, every situation is different. Every household is different. And though the American Academy of Pediatrics is giving the general recommendation for kids to return back to school, there are things to keep in mind. Like if your child has a chronic respiratory condition, that needs to be discussed with your pediatrician to hear what their input is. Or if there's a family member at home who's severely immunocompromised, that also needs to be taken into consideration. So yeah, you, there are general recommendations given by the AAP and CDC, but only your pediatrician knows your child's medical history. And that's something you need to take into account. The other thing is that the well visit provides multiple screening measures, not just for the developmental milestones that I mentioned before, but also for risk factors for diabetes and cardiovascular illnesses. So with the shutdown and kids staying at home, being becoming more sedentary and not having the same schedules that they've had before and their routines kind of being dis disrupted, um, we are noticing an increase of weight gain in children. And if that is never really monitored, you know, the child could become overweight or obese before you even know it. So that's monitored and discussed at the well visit. Um, there's also an opportunity for the pediatrician to have a private conversation with your adolescent to, you know, tweak out how they're feeling, you know, are they having any feelings of anxiety or depression, um, not just associated with the pandemic for any, but any other social stressors that could be present. And this is a private conversation where the teen can, you know, share their thoughts and maybe ask questions. They may not necessarily feel comfortable asking their mom and dad because they don't want to be an added burden. And so there are multiple benefits to having a well visit before school starts. Okay, great. So let's talk about masks. What are the recommendations for who should be wearing a mask and who should not? Absolutely. So again, it is um, recommended that um, any healthy child two years old or older wear masks. Um, there is a consideration for children with developmental delay. And in those children, if we are worried that a mask or a facial covering on their face is going to you know, increase risk of suffocation, or they're going to be touching their face a whole lot more than they would have if the covering was not there, then in those cases, a mask may not be the best idea. But that's definitely 
an exception in a minority of cases. Um, as a general recommendation, a facial covering is recommended for children two years old and above. Great. And then how can we help our younger kids get more comfortable with wearing a mask? So this is, um, this is difficult because <laughs> moms and dads already have enough on their plate right now. And um, having a mask on a child's face is definitely a foreign concept. It's not something that they've ever been expected to do before, unless it was, I don't know, Halloween or some dress up day. <laughs> So um, just keeping that in mind that this was never an expectation before. So approaching it that way, understanding that this is very foreign. Um, but we want to um, kind of approach it the same way that we would approach potty training <laughs> in the child. So um, we want to incorporate incorporate it into um, maybe, maybe their everyday life so that it doesn't seem so foreign to them. Um, maybe we can incorporate it into play. Uh, they can practice putting a mask on their doll while you know they're examining their doll or listening to their doll's heart. We want to give the child a sense of autonomy when it comes to wearing the mask um, because we don't want them to feel like this is something that we are imposing on them against their will because there's going to be definitely more resistance if we approach it that way. So one, a couple ways that we can um, provide the child with a sense of autonomy is allowing them to choose what fabric we want the mask made out of. You know, maybe they have a favorite cartoon character. I've been seeing a lot of Spider-Man masks <laughs> in the office. It's funny, I was going to ask that because mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of really cute masks out there. And when I got masks for my kids, I let them pick them out from mm -hmm. online, my daughter got a unicorn mask. My boys got this little bear, it's like from Roblox. Yeah. Um, we have a Rottweiler, is it so I got some Rottweiler masks. They love to wear those. Yeah. Kind of gives them a little more input into, into that. Exactly. And then it can be a little more fun, right? Mm -hmm. it's yeah. Like, oh, you're gonna be Superman today, or do you wanna yes. be, you know, I don't know what, what the kids do, what is um like Pokemon, one of the Pokemon characters <laughs> they can choose. <laughs> Yeah, it gives them something to be proud of, something to show off. You know, another example is just, you know, having a blank canvas and the child can create their own masterpiece on their mask. And it's like, look what I made. And they oh, can nice. show off to the whole world what they've made. Um, the other thing is um, training. So we want to practice wearing the mask in a low pressure environment first before we enter the high pressure environment, like the grocery store, or the doctor's office, where they absolutely have to keep the mask on. So we wanna give them some practice first. So that looks like maybe wearing the mask for you know 10 seconds and applauding them for that, and then trying for 30, sec 30 seconds at a different time, and then 60 seconds, and then you know two minutes, three minutes, five, 10, 15, 20. 30, an hour, and we're, we're encouraging them and praising them the entire time, just like you would if they were potty training. And well, Positive feedback. Right? Yeah, positive <laughs> feedback, exactly. And also wearing the mask along with them. Um, and so that way, when we're at the grocery store, and I don't know, we're going to be there for one or two hours, you can say, I know you can do this because you show me that you can do it at home. And you know, well, you can even set a time limit. Look, we're gonna put it on now. 
and I promise you get to take it off two hours later. And so at least at, at that point, you know, it's not like this thing is going to be on their face for an indefinite period of time, which can seem like forever for them, knowing that there's going to be a known ed point and that they've done this before makes the whole process a whole lot easier. I do want to give a shout out to all these little children because I've seen three and four year olds in my office becoming a whole lot more comfortable with keeping the mask off throughout the entire visit. So I've been really impressed with what children are capable of. They're really um, resilient and they're mm-hmm. pretty much will take what's put their way. I think they're better at it than adults. My kids, like <laughs> they put it on as soon as we get in the car and they'll wear it the whole car ride. I don't put it on until mm-hmm. I have to get out of the car and they're fine with it. Yeah. So I've been really amazed. I'm like, oh, this is kind of part of their life now. Mm-hmm. And it's just what they've been able to get used to. So yeah, yeah. kids are pretty amazing what they can adapt to. Yes, they are. <laughs> So we did touch on this already, but I'm going to throw it out there again, just in case um, there's anything we didn't touch on with this. And that, that's special considerations for families. So for instance, in our home, um, we aren't quite 100% sure what their, the kid's dad's risk factor is. He may be higher risk. He's been hospitalized for pneumonia. Um, last year, he got hospitalized twice. He got the flu and then got pneumonia, and he ended up in hospital twice with pneumonia. There's some type of scarring on his lungs. He hasn't been back in to check it, but you know, we just want to keep this away from him at all costs because we just don't know how it's going to affect him. So um, are there any other special considerations besides what you've already talked about with the child having any issues or bringing it home to someone that we should be thinking about? Yeah, so just knowing that the child, um, even with their (laughs) habits, you know, rubbing their nose with their hands and and maybe not always (laughs) remembering to wash their hands, the studies have shown that they spread the virus at the same rate as as anybody else would. So so they're not necessarily super spreaders, but they do, they can spread the virus. Um, so just keeping that in mind, and it, it may even come down to weighing, you know, the, the cons versus the pros. It just has to come down to that. Um, I did want to also add, um, you know, just like I said, the AAP does, you know, say that children learn better at school, but for some children, it's even more important. So for example, some children with um, learning disorders or behavioral disorders like AAD or ADHD, where they may have an individualized education plan or a section 504, um, they, they absolutely do so much better at school. Their outcome is so much better at school. And so that's another reason why you want to have that conversation with your pediatrician at the well visit, because there's a lot of things to consider. Yeah, we have a, a son with ADD, ADHD, and um, <laughs> he was just last year when they all came home, my oldest son is online, he's great, he's moving on, he's got everything under control, he's just moving from one task to the next to the next and getting his work done, and he's done early, and he's just doing great. My daughter is like, you know, she's able to kind of stay on track and go from class to class, and this was third grade, and, and her brother's a twin, mm-hmm. and Chandler would do one task or one class and if we weren't right there on top of him to move him to the next thing even if you'd tell him okay right after this bring it to me let me read it if we didn't come to him and keep him on task or when you finish this math I want you to go on to your reading he he would go on to a video and start watching a video 
And mm -hmm. I remember saying to my husband, I said, you know, if we had any doubt about his diagnosis before this, there's really no doubt now because he was a very different kid to try to handle. We had to be on top of him. And that's very difficult for parents who are both trying to work from home. And so, yeah, if you have mm -hmm. these children with learning disabilities or learning struggles, um, you know, it's definitely, they definitely do better at school where they're like in a classroom on task, you know, on schedule and have someone there keeping them on track and moving them along. Mm -hmm. We definitely experienced that in our home yeah. last year. So we start school in a week from Tuesday. So mm -hmm. we will see how this goes again. Yeah. But well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that great information with us, with all of your training and expertise that we all really need to hear. So that has been great. Again, for anybody who's interested in learning more about Dr. Variste and the information that she shares, you can go to her Facebook page. She does her Facebook Lives every Wednesday, Jennifer Variste, MD, and you spell her name V-A-R-I-S-T-E, MD, on Facebook, and also her Instagram, J-V Pediatrics. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jennifer, for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Erin, for having me. So next week, we'll be back to the parent questions. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.